0: Hey, security peeps. We are back again with another issue, another edition of Breaking Into Cybersecurity 2.0, which is our leadership series. And we are here with some wonderful people today. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping wonderful and amazing cybersecurity talent get into um, organizations and helping leaders hire awesome cybersecurity talent. My co-host, Chris Fulon is here. Say hi to everyone, Chris.
1: Everyone,
0: Chris is a an, one of those amazing talents that I'm. Well, okay, <laughs> Sarah. So we have a we have a wonderful person on today, Sarah. Sarah is Sarah Moffitt is a leadership coach. She is the founder of Leading Ladies, helping women get into leadership opportunities and grow into their um, into. Additional opportunities. She also mm-hmm. works with men too. She does some amazing things in the cybersecurity space. So, Sarah, go ahead, introduce yourself and let's kick it off. Start talking about leadership.
2: Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm stoked to be here. So, as you said, I'm I'm Sarah Moffat. I'm the founder and I'm a leadership coach with the, my company, Leading Ladies. Uh, I'm also senior advisor for cyber workforce management for the federal government, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. Um, <laughs> We are talking about leadership development. So, um, and and I was hoping today we could talk about like high performance and and how that works with leadership. So, my company, Leading Ladies, is a professional coaching organization, and uh, our mission is to empower women and inspire change. I do coach men sometimes, uh, but it is mostly women, and that's just because you know we know in cybersecurity, I think the ratio now is like uh, five to one. Five men to one woman. And so um, that's not cool. It's still not cool. And it will keep being not cool until we can change it. And so um, I work in cybersecurity. One of my sisters is in law enforcement. My other sister is a pastry chef. So all three of us ended up in these male-dominated industries. And what I have found is that you need a different set of skills as a woman to succeed in these kind of of industries. So, um, So that's the kind of thing that I like to talk about. I'm a big proponent of mentors, mentorship, and developing uh, your own roundtable. And so we can talk about that. Um, there's just a whole host of things that we can talk about. But the main thing is, is that I'm passionate about inspiring people to lead their lives to actually, you know, I think so many of us live the same year over and over again, and we call it life. Groundhog Day. And, what's that? Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day, Groundhog Year, right? You just keep doing it over and over again. And so, what do you do to step up your game so that you're actually living into your purpose? And that's a, that's a big deal for me.
0: That's awesome. So, Sarah, can you talk to us about? I, I love when I when I met you and we were chatting and we talked about your TED Talk and we talked about um, you know that leadership roundtable and how people need um, a court. You need you need a round table of folks to help you. Please please talk to the audience about that. I think that's such um it's so insightful. And I in as many as much as we talk about mentorship, Chris and I are continuously talking about mentorship. You know, your perspective and what you bring to the table in that TED talk was amazing. So please talk to the to, to us about
2: that. Thank you. So I did um I am one of the first completers of the TED Masterclass, which um, Launched about two years ago, and the and the talk that I did for them was called uh, "Modern Mentoring: How to Develop a Roundtable as Legendary as King Arthur's." And the foundation is basically you've got King Arthur. Well, you've got Arthur, right? This fifteen-year-old scrawny kid, adopted, nobody likes him. His big brother Kay is like you know this big brawny guy. He goes to the he goes to the um, the sword and the stone. All of the big guys, all of the big leaders, the famous ones, are trying to pull the sword from the stone. Nobody can do it. And up comes Scrawny Arthur, 15 years old. Nobody gives a crap about him. And he pulls the sword from the stone, right? He doesn't know that Merlin has enchanted it. And it's been enchanted so that only the right, wise king can pull the sword from the stone. So one of the first things that that Merlin, who's, you know, he is Arthur's like big mentor, one of the first things he has him do is establish a round table. And I think that is a tremendous leadership lesson for all of us because. You know, when we think about King Arthur, part of the best part of his legend is the round table. So all of us are creating, we're trying to hopefully create legendary lives. Like, you know, if you're not waking up every day wondering what you're leaving behind, then you're not thinking forward, head enough. So, So Arthur, you know, he finds these knights, these, these men to surround him. And he's looking for people who are humble and meek and brave. And meekness isn't a word we hear a lot these days. But um, this guy, Patrick Lencioni, he wrote a book. And he said, the best team members are humble, hungry, and smart. And I think that's the modern-day equivalent of what you're looking for at the roundtable and what you need to be yourself. So um, so looking out. And what do you look for in mentors? And how do you establish it? Should I shut up now and, ask, and let you ask a question? Or? No, <laughs> no keep going. No. Um... <laughs> so, Arthur could not set up a round table if he did not know what his values were. Bottom line. So that's something when I'm coaching, I always, that's one of the first questions I ask is, what are your values? What do you stand for? And then once you have your values, then you know what your mission is. And then you can invite people to mentor you to be at your round table because you know what you stand for. You know where you're going. And then you can say, hey, I want you to take this journey with me. I want you to partner with me. The biggest thing is to humble yourself. And that's hard when you're young because <laughs> you think you know everything, but to humble yourself and say, I need people to come with me. And then you develop this legendary round table of people that are so freaking invested in you that they only want to see you succeed. And that's so powerful.
1: How, how do you help them figure out what their values are? They, they might think what they might think, they know what their values are, but how do you help them truly define what they are to help define their mission so that they can continue down that journey?
2: I actually do an exercise with my clients where we walk through. But um, for folks that are just, you know, wanting to do this on their own, you can go to Stephen Covey's website, and he's got a whole values exercise where, you know, you can start to think about what are your values. So, like mine uh, are to empower to educate and to engage, right? Those are, and those are true for me in my personal life and in my professional life in all walks, because, you know, I'm always trying to educate others, but also educate myself. That's a, that's a founding principle of who I am. And then obviously empowering myself, empowering my children, my child, empowering other people that I meet and really engaging in life in general and getting people engaged. So those are my core values. And I know that's what I stand for. So I know when I'm setting up my mission, those are the three most important things to me. And you know, you could use, um, I also have three words. I have an alarm that goes up every day at 10.40 AM that reminds me to be tenacious, joyful, and gracious. And I just have these kind of triggers that remind me who I want to be during the day. So I'm always affirming my values to myself.
0: Sarah, you broke up a little bit. I don't know. Chris, were you able to hear that last comment?
1: Um. Yeah. It, it was garbled, but um, maybe oh. you can reiterate the three your three words that you hear on your alarm.
2: Oh, sure. Yeah. It's tenacious, joyful, and gracious. And I get that right mid morning every day, just to remind me. Hey, are you being tenacious about your life, about your goals, about your vision? Are you bringing joy every day? And are you um, being gracious? Are you allowing space for other people to 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 come to you? So that's a really important.
1: Do you use any other affirmations, or recommend that your clients use any other affirmations throughout the day to help
2: keep them on track? I do. I actually have four alarms that go off. <laughs> um. So I. Uh, so I'm a big goal setter. This is something that that I that I think is my superpower is setting and achieving goals. So this year in 2020. I have completed five grad school classes. I've lost 76 pounds while running my company, working full time, and having my son home with me. So um, so one of the big things for me is to always be fit, healthy, and strong. So that's a reminder that I get at two o'clock, right? At two o'clock, everybody's reaching for their cup of coffee because they're tired. You've been up all day. So for me, it's remember to be fit, healthy, and strong. I'm not gonna reach for something unhealthy. I'm gonna get up and go for a walk. Um, and then I have reminders to be an exceptional leader and to be an exceptional mom. The mom so, one comes ben, up at six when I'm tired.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need those reminders all day. <laughs> ben is saying, oh man, I've been through exercises for companies creating a list of values, but I never thought of sitting down and doing this for myself.
2: It's, um, Ben, it's so great because what it does is it removes anxiety from your life. That sounds weird, but um, it for me, it's like, you can agonize over a decision and then you can second guess yourself for weeks afterwards. But if you make your decision based on what your values are, then you know that you chose right. And it just eliminates so much. Like, should I take this job? Is this the right promotion for me? Should I do this with my kids? Does it align with your values? Yes or no? If it does, go for it. Is it going to get you where you want to go? Is it part of your mission? Then you can say an emphatic yes. And if it doesn't, then you can say, sorry, not for me.
1: And how does that play into um, influencing those that you lead? What are the best ways to to pass that on to them so that you can gain their influence?
2: So influence is, it's actually really easy to gain if you um, are true to who you are and you know what you stand for, I think. So influence, ultimately, at the end of the day, if you look at any definition of leadership, leadership is influence. It's influencing yourself, it's influencing others. So if you are true to your goals, to I'm sorry, to your to your values and to your mission, then you easily are gonna be able to um, accept things that 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 you know that you can complete, right? So then you know that you are adding value, that you are working out of your strengths, and then people know that they can come to you for those things. So that's a big part of it. Um, But also, being humble, hungry, and smart. Like Being humble means that you're going to ask for help. And for those of you who don't know this, asking for help is literally one of the best ways to gain influence with anyone. It sounds counterintuitive, but if I call you, Chris, after this, and I say, Chris, I am like struggling to find a new job, and I know that you have the skills and expertise, can you just would you do me this huge favor and just take a look at my resume or look at my LinkedIn profile and just give me one tip? Then you help me out because I asked so nicely and I'm a lovely person and you're a lovely person. And then you're like this much invested in my success. And if I come back to you and say, what you did so helped me, I was able to do this. Then you're, oops, this invested in my success. And I just keep, we keep building influence with each other. And that's we're leading each other and that's, you know, if you implement that at work, whew, it's a great thing to do. Everybody always wants to be like the smartest person in the room and nobody is willing to say, "I really, can you can you unpack this for me? I, I need a little bit of help with it." And then everybody's like, "Oh, sure, let me help you out."
0: So it's really that asking for help, being humble, being yeah. You know, taking a step back being in that situation to be able to really you know, get this group um, to understand yourself, understand your values, and then move, move forward with getting that mentorship team.
2: Exactly. And you know, part of that is it's being humble and being hungry. And that hunger is a hunger for knowledge. It, when, when you're hungry, you're going to listen. You're going to be teachable. And you are going to be, am I breaking up still? Are we good? Okay.
0: No, you're good.
2: Um, we're, you know, being that, that hungry person, you're going to go for those. You're going to be the yes person, right? Somebody is going to come to you and you're going to say yes. Cause you know what aligns with your values and you're going to go for it. And that's that tenacity, that hunger is, um, just, it sets you apart as a leader, honestly, very easily.
0: So another question came in and it says, loving the conversation points. I've experienced some challenges when it comes to humility. I am a servant leader, humility and leading by example is at the core of my values. However, I've seen that my humility is sometimes taken for granted. Instead of being valued as my strength, it is considered a weakness. Any thoughts on how you could reverse this perception or how to deal with change when change is not possible or how to deal with when change is not possible?
2: Yeah. Um, I'm curious for this LinkedIn user, can I just ask a question? Are you a female or a male? Can we I ask that?
0: Yeah, you can. The only thing is it looks like.
2: Maybe they're still watching. They might Sometimes the, the
1: questions come in a little delayed as well.
2: Oh, okay. Well, I would just be curious to know the answer to that. But um mm-hmm. As being I think servant leadership is 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 really one of the best kind of leadership styles and because what you're doing is you are helping to get obstacles out of the way for others so that they can succeed. Um, there is a difference between being humble and being unconfident. I don't think that's the word, but <laughs> that's what I'm thinking of. You can be confident and humble at the same time, right? If you think about King Arthur, there's no way that his humility interfered with him leading into battle, crushing, you know, he went on these big quests. So you need to be confident and exude confidence, but the humility comes in when you admit when you don't know something or when you are willing to say, this isn't my strength. This is Renee's strength, or this is Chris's strength. I'm going to allow them to lead in this situation. So I think, um, identifying ways that you can exhibit more confidence is probably going to be a great step for you. And if you feel like, you know, sometimes it's hard to change. If you've been in an organization for a long time and they just perceive you this one certain way, sometimes you just got to go somewhere else and start and, you know, start a new perception for yourself. But, um, yeah, I would say, I would say work on confidence, maybe, take a couple speaking engagements, do some things where you're maybe mentoring others, where you can build your confidence that way and show that your confidence and your competence. Um, so that would be my suggestion. I hope that's helpful.
1: Um, for, for those that you coach, do you also have to differentiate management versus leadership? Oftentimes I've noticed that, especially in the younger generations, there's that they, they don't understand the difference between leading someone and managing someone.
2: Yeah. that And that's a tough, um, so I'm finishing my master's degree in management and leadership. And it's funny because it's very differentiated. Um, When I think of management, I feel like you're managing resources, you're managing products, uh, you're leading people. So you always want to lead people and you want to manage the resources. And so you're managing time, you're managing hours, you're managing products, uh, you're leading people. And leadership is Again, it's gaining influence with people, and that's that's the core of what it is. It's showing showing them that your values and vision align with the companies, and it's getting them to align to 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 see how their personal values and mission are aligned with the goals of the team, and really creating that strong connection so that they are getting. Um, you know, they feel good about the work, they feel like they're contributing in a positive way. And that's something that I um, think is super, super important for any leader is to figure out how to ensure their team knows, you know, you're just working on this small part of the puzzle, but this is the big impact that you have because that helps a lot.
0: So Sarah, I'm sending um, a note to people because it looks like there was some, some kind of challenge with LinkedIn Live, but we're still live on YouTube.
2: Oh, so I'm sending
0: okay. all the people on LinkedIn to YouTube. Okay. So that's Bummer. why you see me doing all of this. But we're gonna have you back because there was so many great questions starting to come in on I'm LinkedIn. And
2: um, they
0: disappear,
2: huh? <laughs> yeah. I have a
1: question for you while Renee works on that. Um, so we talked about high potential leadership, and for the most part, we've been discussing leading those that are below you. How do you flip the coin and then now work to lead those above you, say your CEO, say you're yeah. below them, and gain influence on them uh, so that you can get your message across and uh, deliver on your in, in your role?
2: Um, that's an amazing question. Um, so Brendan Burchard, I don't know if you have ever heard of him, but he talks about um, the greatest ways to... Um, to impact, to to gain influence, and he's got this this model where the first thing that you do is you talk about, uh, you acknowledge where people are now. So let's say I'm talking to you, my boss, Chris, and you've got it, you know, you've got a problem. The first thing I'm going to do is acknowledge. That's a, acknowledge. I'm going to say I understand you're having an issue with this and this and this, and I'm going to let you know that I understand what the issue is, whatever the issue is, whatever the problem is. The next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to um, uh, use my emotions. I'm gonna I'm going to t- talk to you about. Um, I'm trying. Oh, affect. That's the second A. I was trying to think of what it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna speak with affect. I'm gonna speak with emotions. I understand that you're having this, and this is how it's making you feel. This is the outcome. This is what's happening. And then finally, I'm gonna do the aspiration. So it's um, affect. I'm sorry acknowledge affect and aspiration and that i'm gonna the bottom i'm gonna talk to you about what the outcome is going to be and that is a great way to influence and persuade um and, and and another great thing that you can do is use stories in there right so storytelling is a great way to influence up get people to understand where you are sell your ideas using stories um uh but but i find that influencing up and then also being the person that they can count on like in my organization, people know everywhere I go. I'm I'm the creative one, right? Everybody knows that. So if you've got a hard problem, I, I mean, I like to say, if you got a problem, yo, I'll solve it. I'll figure out a way. So <laughs> uh, so and everybody knows that. Hey, you know what? Go ask Sarah because I have built influence in that space. I have been, I have set myself apart in that area. So saying yes based on your values, making sure you're showing your superpower so that people come to you. And that's influence, right? If somebody knows they can't solve a problem, they come to me, that means that I have influence over that individual in solving their problem. Does that answer your question, Chris?
1: It it, it does. And I think um, oftentimes, because we've been... We've been focused on individuals looking to break in. They've always been on the lower side of their career. So they're always looking for ways to uh, progress their career. And most of the times that means helping those above them see the problems that are occurring and persuade them to the solution that you're recommending.
2: And so I've dealt with a a lot of my clients are... not usually entry level because entry level people don't usually hire coaches, but um, in that, you know, mid to senior range or in mid approaching senior and then, appro- and, and then senior approaching um, executive level. Right. So I kind of see those are the are, are the tiers. And, and one of the things I always say is uh, it's just like in marketing or being an entrepreneur. And basically that's what you are. You're a little entrepreneur where you are. Look for the pain point. And figure out how to solve it. Where is the gap in your team that you can fill? And that is going to gain you a huge amount of influence very quickly, very quickly. So if there's, you know, I mean, it's something as stupid as, and again, humble, like at my work, we have this drawer full of cords and it's a disaster. You know, it looks like just a pan full of snakes. And one day I sat down and I fixed the cords. And everybody's like, this is going to take forever. And I'm like, it's really probably going to take 10 minutes. And I did it. And it was a humble thing to do. And everybody knew that I was willing to sit on the floor and work this stupid thing out. And and you know, then you're a problem solver, right? The small thing. Hey, remember when she did that? So there's a ton of ways that you can set yourself apart. But just find the problem and then go for it with, with tenacity.
0: So Sarah, you bring up such a valuable point. As so I talk about that a lot with resume writing, recruiting, interviewing, um, being the solution, being the problem solver, finding the pain point in some of these organizations. And during through, going through with the interview process, like you're talking about with leadership and, and promotions, and within your own, within the current situation mm-hmm. you're in, when you're looking up, um, it's very similar to what I tell people when they come and they ask about, um, you know, what a resume should look like, what a what, what they should be doing. How do they get in? How do they how are they able to influence this leader to um, look at them as a candidate, a viable candidate for the role? And it goes back to the same exact thing: being that problem solver, seeing mm-hmm. what is. From get, gathering the information, doing the research, trying to figure out what it is that they're having challenges with, and how you can be the one to solve the problem because you've either done it before, because you have creative like ideas like you, all of those types of things. So it does it plays into it from a leadership perspective. It t- plays into it even with the entry level people
2: from the, you know that
0: perspective. Yeah.
2: Preach. <laughs> it's so important, and that's. Um you know one of my clients she she was in one of those positions where she just wasn't able to make she wasn't able to influence you know like there's just a point where you just have to say you know what this isn't going to happen and she um she actually moved on and she doubled her salary in her next job which i was so dang proud of her because she knew it was time to go she aligned what was happening with her values and her mission and she stepped out and she went to this new amazing company and she just literally was like, hey, I recognize that they didn't have this process in place. So she started to write a quick manual on it. All of a sudden, she comes into this team and she, in a very servant, humble way, has said, like, I have some expertise in this. So I just wrote a quick, you know, quick manual on how to do this thing. And hopefully it'll help the rest of the team. And right away, she's able to gain this influence um, and just in a really humble, and that was hum- humble, hungry, and smart. That was the three things that she needed to be. And she showed it right off the bat. And it was it was powerful for her.
0: Wow. It looks like we might be live again. I don't know, because we just got another comment. Hi, um, LinkedIn. <laughs> Suresh says, MJ Suresh says, five to, one, five to one in cybersecurity is definitely not cool. I love the huge impact. Magna is making for
1: women in cybersec.
0: I don't know what's going
1: on. Yeah, I think it's from earlier. Um, So you mentioned that you sometimes coach men. What are some of the ways that you would coach men to be allies um, for women in the field?
2: (laughs) I've actually never coached men on that before. But I would just, in general, I would say um, the same way that I coach women to be allies for women, right? Uh, if, if a woman's not being heard at the table, excuse me, Renee had an idea, I think we should hear it out, right? Just acknowledging that someone else is speaking, make sure to stand it up, never steal ideas, never steal ideas from somebody else that will bite you later. Don't do it, you reap what you sow. Um, and I would say, you know, making sure that you are picking the best people to work for you regardless of their gender and checking yourself, Right? Am I picking somebody because I think that they're taller again, look at King Arthur. this is a great example. Nobody would have picked a fifteen year old scrawny kid to be king, but he had the heart of a king so look at people's behavior and their um and the influence that they have been able to to wield and grow and you know make sure that you're promoting the right people
0: every time you tell you talk about the King Arthur story just recently, I was reading to my children the bible story um David and Goliath. And it's that same, you know, they're like, how could David, how could he take out Goliath? You know, and he he was an expert in that space. And it it when it leads up to the story where they talk about, you know, oh, he walks in and he says, I've done this a million times, you know, I've done this with bears, I've done this with, you know, he just says, This, this is my thing. And when he takes the slingshot and boom, Goliath falls go falls down. It's the same. It's the same exact. It goes back to the same thing that you're talking about, and in, in terms of being that solution, that problem solver in that space. Exactly. And he's scrawny. He's again scrawny. I think Saul he was head. he
2: was about fifteen too, right? Something <laughs> yeah. like that. He was a teenager. But here's some interesting points: is that Saul tries to put his armor on David, mm-hmm. and David. Can you imagine trying to do the job that he had to do with somebody else with the weight of someone else's expectations literally on you like that. He said I can't do it like this. He knew what his strengths were, he knew what his values were, and he knew what he needed to do. And that is that's one of those areas that like that's a strong that's a strong way where you say I know what my values are, I know what my strengths are. I'm going to say no to this, I'm going to say yes to this. I'm going to go do it. So he had to know, and again, how he gets into Saul's favor isn't by, you know, all of a sudden um, doing something strange that he's never done before. He, he goes and plays the his his music because that was his gift, right? Know your superpower. Mine, mine is goal setting, being creative, right? So use your superpower to solve problems, mm-hmm. to come in. Don't let other people put the weight of their expectations on you. You know what your goal is. You know what your mission is. Freaking go for it.
1: I have a, a random question that I just thought of as you were talking about this. Um, one of the things that Renee and I, I always discuss has to do with um, like neurodiversity, but then also recent recently that's been coming up is um, unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. Do you ever coach your, your – when you coach, do you ever – ensure that people think about these unconscious biases that they have and how they might affect their performance
2: Uh, i'm going to be honest with you and the answer to that is no i haven't what i usually typically coach on are how to make the shift from individual contributor to leader right and so a lot of that is about acknowledging where you are in the leadership cycle um and how to gain influence how to be a servant leader transactional leadership things like that but i'll tell you that over the last obviously over the last several weeks um it has it has been something that i've i found that i really need to educate myself on and it's hit me in two ways because my son is biracial and so this is always You know, something that I think about for him, but I've had to learn how to talk about it differently in two ways, which is one for my kid and one for the women that I'm coaching, because it's a huge issue that um, that we all need to address within ourselves. So that is an area for me to humbly admit that I definitely need to grow in as a mom, as a, you know, and this goes back to being an exceptional mom, being an exceptional leader. Like these are things I need to train myself on for sure.
0: Yeah. I think that's. A, I think it's across the board. The kind, the kinds of, the kinds of. Um, and I think all of us have. I learned something this morning, um, reading a LinkedIn profile about um, about signs, street signs in Australia, and what these street signs meant. And it was, very long story short, it was around Indigenous people. Um, in that, at, I guess, at the at dawn, Indigenous people could not cross these particular streets. Oh, and there would be someone cracking a whip walking around in, in, in time. Um, and so that was just brand new to me. It was just such a, um, you know, I, I thank person for this history. And it's so new and you you learn so much. And I think especially unconscious bias, I mean, that's such, it's so deep and it runs so, you know, half of the time you don't even realize what's going on. And I remember taking some classes um, because us HR people, this is what we do, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so you're talking about conscious bias. And they ha- they always show that picture of the iceberg and the tip of the iceberg and then beneath the iceberg, like all that's going on. Mm-hmm. So most people, you know, A, within themselves or even, or, or looking at someone else, you're seeing the tip. And there's so many, so many things that are happening beneath the surface. And so really trying to, A, be educated, you know, on all different levels. And, and I consistently educate myself to be able to tell my children, this is what's going on in the world. This is why, you know, like go back in history. become like a student of history. I love I. I I, I welcome when people to say, oh, this is what happened in the 50s. This is what, you know, seen us in the 60s when Dr. Dan was on. And I said, Dan, give us wisdom, because many times, you know, it's bubbling up from things happening, you know, years and years ago. And these are the people who were walking during Martin Luther King. Um, yeah. We were on last week with Alan Alford, and he talked about his mom walking, marching with King. And so, you know, going back and saying, hey, Tell me your personal experience of what happened when this was happening, um, but overall, when it comes to unconscious, you know, I'm going off on <laughs> different tangents. But when it comes to unconscious bias in particular, um, just being being a student, being a constant student is just key. And yeah. you know, I would ask everyone to just continuously learn and seek out different, all types of. All types of topics, you know, just constantly and consistently, because um, unconscious bias, especially in hiring and leadership, it is—it's definitely um, a space that I think we need to just touch into more. Um, um,
2: Oh, oh, go ahead, Chris.
1: I was going to say one of the reasons that I brought it up—it has to be, especially as a leader, you have to you have to realize that different people communicate in different ways. So, for example, some cultures are very fact forward, very in your face, while other cultures are very uh, submissive and quiet. And you have to be able to recognize that those are both cultural traits and try to enable them to be part of the team when they might be passive or maybe have them, let others participate when they're like in your face. So uh, those were the, that was the reason for the question, because as a new leader, you you might not have had to think about that before, but now that you're trying to blend the skills of many people together into your team, Mm -hmm. um, it becomes critical.
2: And you actually hit on exactly where, what I was going to say in sort of a different way, but, I think the opposite of humility is ignorance. Humility admits that what you don't know, right? That's saying, I don't know everything. I can be taught. I can be led. Um, I'm going to rely on others. And on the flip side of that, you've got ignorance where you, in some cases, are willfully unaware, and you are purposefully not acknowledging um, others. So, in leadership, I think, in in life in general, what we all need to do is recognize that people experience and perceive life differently and their backgrounds are different. And this, in leadership, means that you acknowledge diversity in a way that you recognize that this is a best thing for your team, that you are going to bring new ideas, new ways of thinking about things, um, new thought processes. You're going to generate a whole different positive culture by by being inclusive and by Um, by inviting diversity versus saying, this is my way of doing this. This is my perception of how it has to be done. This is how I think about things. And this is the way it is. Um, That's ignorance. And that kind of leader is the leader none of us want to work for. Right. We don't, none of us wants to work for the person that says, this is the way, right. We call them micromanagers. So, right. So being humble and I, you know, I got my, I got smacked down hard in 2014. I was in grad school for clinical mental health and I was taking a class and um, I am fortunate enough that my Merlin happens to be an African-American woman. And I, she's, she's my favorite person in the world. Um, and in this, in my, in grad school, <laughs> my Merlin also was an African-American woman and she and I were taking this uh, cultural like how to counsel culturally diverse people. And uh, the professor was a PhD and she was an African-American. And Diane sitting next to me, she's got three master's degrees and she's also African-American. And they're talking about how counseling somebody who's a Latina versus African-American versus a Jehovah's Witness, you know, whatever is so different. And, and I and I kind of got up on myself and I'm like, you know, why, why is it so different between black and white? Like we're all the same. We all... You know we're all human. Why would you counsel somebody diff- counsel somebody differently? And they started talking about racism. And I'm from this DC area, right, where you just it's a big mixing bowl. And and I don't want to say I say everybody the same, but I want to say like I am not as focused on diversity like in that way. And they both were like, "Let me tell you about your white privilege." <laughs> and they just smack me down and probably the rest of the class. And I just sat there like. <laughs> okay I didn't know this. this is a whole brand new way of, for me to look at life. and um if I hadn't been humble enough to take the smack down, then I wouldn't have learned. but I had to take the smack and it was a smack down from these two women were like, let me tell you and um and it totally opened my way of thinking and helped me to understand that, in leading teams, in life in general, like appreciating people's differences and um, celebrating them and allowing people to work differently and serve differently and lead differently is literally the best thing that we can do.
0: Well, I think that, you know, Chris and I, we talk about this all the time and we talk about diversity of thought and you, it, I mean, this segues right into that because, when you are bringing in people with different, all different walks of life, so different, um, you know, if you, you know, the surface stuff, even gender, so you do gender, age, you know, um, 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 race, sexual orientation, all that stuff, and even if that alone, um, you get some diversity of thought when. Um, socioeconomic background, where people have, you know, people where they've grown up, different international, you know, backgrounds, all these different things. And you just come up with so many more ideas. And I was reading just this morning, another statistic around um, diverse teams and how much more profitable they are, how much more problem solving they are when you have these diverse teams because everyone's looking at it everyone's bringing their perspective like there's no way even if you know chris is from the, grew up in the caribbean but still we don't have the same you know we don't have i didn't grow up in the caribbean caribbean my mom did we don't have the same experiences he brings such a different experience to the table so it's just so many it just it, it it's like it boggles my mind as to why you wouldn't want to get someone else's perspective. Like, I think one thing, one of the things that leaders, and I'm, I'm jumping in here on your topic, <laughs> one of the best things that leaders could do is just, like, be an ear, like, listen, mm-hmm. and look at perspectives, and always think about walking in that person's shoes, because I think that in and of itself will humble you. Like, if People out here were, you know, how can I walk in Sarah's shoes? How can, how can I be a single mom with a three-year-old son, with a business, with a working full-time, with this, 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 this? Then if something happens, you're like, wow, what would I do if I was in that scenario? What if I'm sitting in Chris's scenario with a five-year-old and I have, a, you know, all this stuff and I'm a professor and I have all these things going on? Something happens, you're like, whoa, what would I do if, I, if you know, if that were me? Could I would I be able to handle that? Could I juggle these things? You know, and I think just pure, you know, just taking a step back and thinking about what it is putting yourself in someone else's shoes truly means. I think that would that in and of itself, if people took a couple of minutes to just understand other people and what they might be going through and and you don't even know like i know the tip of the iceberg of some of the stuff that you might be going through <laughs> you know the tip not exactly. really what's going on right all the things that's happening you know and so that's servant that leadership
2: that's, that's what, what it that is. is and that's also a round table principle if you think about it right arthur is the king he's the king why would he create a round table so he would set himself as an equal to other people He's sitting with you, right? That's what a leader does is they they sit with you. They, they, um, they walk with you and they, you know, the leader's obviously gonna get things out of the way and, and has the bigger picture of the mission. But it's that hum- it's, it's that humility, that, that humble spirit, that humble heart that says, I don't know everything. I cannot imagine what you're going through, Renee, with having, you know, three kids at home and doing this and this and this. Um, how can I serve you? What can I do for you? That's going to allow you to excel and exceed, and and you know, and circling back to to cybersecurity, even um, this is why it is so daggone important for businesses to hire diversely, to seek it out. Like as I would say, a number one hiring um, uh, priority for every cybersecurity organization should be to seek diversity in their hiring, because like you said. It, it brings out so many opportunities for creative problem solving. And what do we need right now to, to secure our systems and our networks and our critical infrastructure is we need creativity. We need to stay a step ahead of the bad guys. So, um, so all of us have a duty. It's not a nice to have. We have a duty to look for ways to increase and improve diversity and inclusion and to understand our unconscious bias and to address it head on, straight on.
1: Even things like um, economic backgrounds. So, um, for for those that might not have had the resources, they're very scrappy. They find ways to do things. 100%. And if you don't have those types of people in your team, you might look over simple problems that could be solved by finding a new way to look at it rather than throwing a new blinky light at it.
2: Yep. Love that. You're so, you're so right. You're so right. Yeah,
0: That's
2: awesome. Uh, Sarah, do you see... It is.
0: We're 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 coming up on almost forty five minutes, so I have a one question, and I think Chris will have another question, and we'll probably be we'll wrap after this. But I, we have to have you back because this is so so relevant right now. Um, so maybe in a in a couple of weeks we could have you come back on and do a Love part that. two, um, or even maybe next week um, we could have you do part two in the leadership series. Um, but I wanted to ask you about. Um, because you work with women so much mm. and, you know, and I know that you have this, you've worked extensively in the cybersecurity space and cybersecurity education. Um, and for those of you that don't know, Sarah is, you know, could click on, go to her LinkedIn profile. Um, I'll, I'll make sure to, to tag her as um, she does so much amazing work in the, in the cybersecurity space specifically. When it comes to leadership for women, versus men or the things that you see, what, what would you say are like the top two to three differences or, or challenges that women face that men don't, or you see women doing that men don't do or that they should overcome or focus on that men don't?
2: Um, confidence is the first thing. It, it, I don't know very many men who um, would hem and haw about asking for a promotion that they were promised. Right. If you know that your boss said, next year, I'm going to move you up to this level, and it's been three years, and you're still at the same level, what's happening here? So I would say, make sure that you are humble but confident. And um, you know, not that long ago, it really wasn't that long ago, one of the women that I happened to work for at that time, uh, she said to me something along the lines of, well, you seem like you're really looking for chances to be the boss. Like it was so bad. And I said, <laughs> I said, I refuse to apologize for wanting to move my career forward and expand my leadership.
0: Oh, I yeah. got smacked down for that.
2: <laughs> it's you would <laughs> never say that to a man. No, I was too much of a change agent. <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy. So I would say, you know, it so I would say work on your confidence. You work on your confidence. The second thing is we, we, this is, we all know this is true. This imposter syndrome where a man looks at a job description and he's like, I can do 25% of this. I am the perfect candidate. And he goes for it. And a woman (laughs) is like, I can do everything on this list, but I only have nine years of experience, not 10. I can't do it. Yes, you can. So go for the, take a bold step. Uh, Tony Robbins, who I love. Not everybody loves him, but I love him but he's so damn right when he says you must take massive action. If you want for things to change, you must take massive actions. So part of being a high performer is being courageous, right? So I'm back to courage again. So courage, courage, um, and also looking for ways to work in your superpower, figure out what your superpower is and, and build it, build it, have in your, in your, uh, in your, career plan. You need to know what are the top three skills that you need to have for the next one to three years. And you need to be working on those skills every single day. Every day have have personal development or professional development on your calendar. Make yourself your professional development your priority. If you don't know what those things are, you're never going to be at the top of your game. And then you also need to know what are the top three skills that you need to have three to five years out. You need to have a plan to get those skills, right? Always be working on moving your career forward because the because the sad part is not as many people are going to be looking out for you.
0: Got to do it yourself.
2: You got to do it yourself, and that's why tenacity is is one of my foundational words because because I know that if you're going to achieve a goal, you have to go at it. You have to have a plan. I'm going to move my my desk uh, my laptop for a second. Can't tell which side I'm going for. Okay, here I'm going over here. <laughs> this is my battle board. This has what I'm doing every month for for six months out. I know exactly what I need to do this month to make a success. And you need to have that same thing because again, nobody else is going to do it for you. You got to know what you got to do, and you've got to prioritize your professional development. I'm yelling at everyone. I'm sorry. I'm yelling. I'm passionate. No,
0: please. I I love it. You. I, I mean. I'm- Go ahead, Chris.
1: I was going to
2: say, kind of to refine on
1: that and pivot of like the last question that I usually ask. If you had to refine all of that advice to one sage piece of advice for someone looking to make the next step in their career, what would that be? One piece
2: of advice. Focus on your future. We are very good at rehearsing what our faults are. The argument that we had, the bad choice that we made, we play it over and over in our mind. Play your future over and over in your mind every day. What does that look like? Practice it. When I wake up in the morning, I say, thank you, Jesus, that I'm going to wake. And then I say, Sarah Moffitt is the CEO of her own company. What's the CEO doing today? (laughs) <laughs> hey, what's the CEO doing today? CEO doesn't have time to get stuck down in minutia. So focus on your future. That, that would be my key advice for, for everybody.
0: Awesome. Sarah, are you coming back next week?
2: I am coming back next week. Yes. I would, I would love
0: to. Because I'm going to post that as soon as this is done, we would love to have you back because um, LinkedIn live broke. <laughs> And and we want you. This is out there. It's on YouTube. We're gonna put it out. We're gonna post it and everything else. But I want to make sure that people are aware and they know um, about what you do, the amazing uh, programs that you have, and you know how you can help more people grow in their careers, grow into leadership. Because this 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 is what this is all about. Like everyone asks questions around this growth. And this was so informative and so insightful. And I want to make sure that people are on and they're able to ask their questions and learn more about your program. Quickly talk about your program before we jump in like one minute. Right okay. before we come off.
2: Thanks guys for having me. I would love to do next week. I do have to check my calendar. So just want to let everybody know who's watching. I have 10 spots left for my group coaching, which launches on the 22nd, I think. Um, and so if you go to my website, which is leadingladies.co, and click the coaching group coaching you'll see all the details but um especially for people who are breaking into cybersecurity and are at that mid to senior senior to expert level when i wanted an executive coach i could not afford it because i'm not an executive yet and so i always want to make sure that everybody who wants coaching has the opportunity to get it so um so it's really important that i let you know let everybody know group coaching is a great way to do that so Um, I'm thrilled to come back and we can talk about high performance or whatever you want next week. But you guys are doing such a wonderful service for the community and giving out such wonderful information. So I just want to applaud you both for your commitment and your tenacity um, and the creative way that you're solving these problems. It's really wonderful.
1: thank Thank you.
0: So we will have Sarah back, if not next Tuesday, very soon, 11-ish Eastern is when we do our uh, break into cybersecurity 2.0, 11-ish, because Sarah has kids, I have kids, Chris has kids, usually my kids making all the craziness in the background. In any event, it was great having you on, Sarah. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you soon. And everyone else, we will see you next time. So take care. Bye, everybody.
1: Bye. Bye.